The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of... The Silo, Season 1, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this streaming show on Apple TV+. Joining me today on the panel are Jeff Hecker. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Don. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to follow the Secrets of Movies and TV shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel, which is at uh, youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And be sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Technology. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. So we are talking about The Silo. This was a kind of a sleeper hit for Apple TV Plus uh, in the, if you're listening to this any other time, in the uh, spring, early summer of 2023. And uh, it had its first season. Clearly, we're getting a second season. I don't actually haven't seen the news, but I'm, you know, it's been so It has been renewed. It has been renewed for a second season. I think I read that they're actually starting to film. Or or at least that it's been written. Oh, that well, written is good, given the writer's strike at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that is good. They definitely needs a second season after how they ended the first one. Mm. Uh, I hate shows where they end with these cliffhanger reveals and then you never get the resolution that of although there are books and we we can talk about that in a bit. There are books that we could read to to find out the rest of the story before we get into it. We will spoil the first season of the three of us. Uh, Jeff has read the books, so uh, Jeff is is as a pledge to not spoil anything beyond <laughs> what has been seen in the first season. So uh, if you've watched it but haven't read the books, no no fear. If you've watched and read the books, we hope that you get something out of this podcast as well. Uh, anything else you want to say before I get into the recap? Uh, Father Corey, how did you come to, to watch the, the, the silo? So I had kind of heard about this. It, it did kind of sneak up. Like you said, it was a sleeper hit. Um, it kind of snuck up all of a sudden. You know, you'd see it on Google TV or whatever, you know, one of those little, little promos, ads or whatever. But just kind of like, I don't know if I'm too interested. I don't know, you know. And, and all of a sudden, these two start talking about it on <laughs> our disc, Discord. And it's like, oh, wait, this actually sounds like it's worth watching. And so I waited until it was done being released yeah, and then binged it in like three days. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> it was hard to watch waiting a week in between episodes. I tell you, that t- takes me back. Yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine because, you know, there's there's some spots where you're like, OK, what's going to happen now? What's you know? And I have to admit the first episode, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Part of it is a little bit claustrophobic. For you know, people <laughs> living in this giant silo underground, yep. yeah, that that is somebody from Montana. That that doesn't sound like a good life, but <laughs> but it persevered and and yeah, it was worth. It was I really enjoyed it. It really was a very enjoyable series. Very great, you know, little you know suspense and action and all that kind of good stuff. So good, good. And Jeff, how about you? You said you've so as I mentioned, you've read the books. So how did you approach the series, having read the books? Yeah, so I kind of expected the, the show to kind of follow the first book or two, and it, it pretty much did. It, it kind of ended in the same place, and it started in the same place. So most of this, the general plot was the same. So 
I kind of figured it wouldn't be nothing would really be super surprising or shocking to me and uh, having read and I I think that was correct nothing really surprised or shocked me but there they tweaked some things so there were and it's been several years since I've read the books so it was kind of nice getting like a new perspective and I might go back and read the books now as we wait for season two the books by um is it Hugh Howie Hugh Howie yes Hugh Howie and the the book is called uh, Wool not Silo the first book is called Wool which I can see why Silo is a better better name for a show than than wool would be that would be a little weird although kind of curious now why wool and maybe it's the old idiom about pulling the wool over your eyes or something along that those lines yeah i think it's that and i think it might be related to cleaning as well because i think they might use wool to clean uh, when they're cleaning the uh the cameras so yeah i think it's at least those two meanings. There could be others from yeah. the book that I just don't remember. Well, and, and going going to the the end, they show the box with the the tape that they use for the suits, mm. and it says it's sensor wool. Okay, sensor so. wool. Okay, yeah, because they call the camera a sensor, and yeah, we'll get into all that. And uh, as we go through, Jeff, if, you know, if you've got insights from the books that shed light on some of the things we talk about, I'd love to hear those as we go. So let me give a, a recap of what happens in this and. Uh, I've tried to do justice to it. There's a lot more and we'll get into the details as we go. But here's the recap. The silos of futuristic self-contained underground community of about 10,000 people who believe themselves to be the last remnant of humanity where their society is classed according to high how up in the silo you live. The higher you are, the higher the class you are. And there's very strong stratification and differences between the different classes. The silo itself is defined by a large spiral staircase that rises up over 100 levels. I forgot how many exactly from top to bottom. And it's governed by a rule of law called the pact that had been signed by the builders. And so and they're almost mythological figures, these builders. Almost all knowledge of the world before the silo and and outside of the silo is lost. And much of the technology as well has been lost and banned. And even relics are forbidden. Relics, you know, things that are that remain from that before time. Political power in the silo is divided between the mayor, the sheriff, and the judge who oversees the secret police-like judicial. Now, one of the rules of the silo is that if you ask to leave, you must go outside. Not even just be allowed to go outside. Once you say it, you're out. It's irrevocable. It's also apparently a death sentence as the outside world is toxic. The one last task that the person who leaves is asked to do is to clean the lens of a camera outside that gives the only view of the desolate world of the surface. Now, as we begin the this, this series, Sheriff Holston's wife has recently been sent outside after she's had an encounter with this IT guy named George Wilkins. Was George IT? He was IT, right? Well, he was a computer guy. He was actually maintenance. Was okay. I couldn't remember exactly. I, I wasn't sure. So I, but this guy named George Wilkins, who had found an illegal hard drive and she helped him crack it, you know, get into the data inside. After that, she went outside and died, apparently. Then Holston, Holston himself follows her eventually, goes outside. And after Wilkins dies from a fall inside off the, the staircase, after Holston leaves, a maintenance worker named Juliet is appointed sheriff. She was Wilkins' girlfriend is now, and is now intent on finding out how he died and track who then killed the mayor and one of the deputies. In the end, for as many answers as Juliet finds and reveals to us, the viewer, there's always more questions. And eventually, she's sent outside, this time against her will, where she discovers 
that so much lying has been going on <laughs> on multiple levels. Uh, pardon the pun. So uh, that and that's where we end season one. So that's the recap. And, and by the by the way, it's 144 yeah. levels. Okay, in the silo. Oh, a gross of levels. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> twelve dozen. That's interesting. I I have to say just before we get into it. The amount of walking up and down stairs that people do in this place <laughs> is mm-hmm. astonishing. Just the idea of it. Because one of the things that's been banned for whatever reason is elevators. Yeah. Not, uh, not, not even like having a dumb waiter to lift yeah. things up and down. And it, it, it is interesting because that, that contributes very much to the stratification of the silo. Because it's very rare that someone is going to want to climb 144 flights of stairs. Yes. Or, you know, go up the spouse staircase 144 floors. So the person who's down on level, you know, 144 maintenance is not going to want to go up to level one where the the, the sheriff and the, the mayor are. Right. Yeah. And I think they even had, in, at least in some parts, there were like you had to have a pass to get to the certain levels. But that might have been during the, the lockdowns. Or that was lockdowns. The, yeah. Okay. Right. It might not have been required all the time. But yeah, I mean, if you have to work and stuff, you I don't know. I can't remember how long they said it took to walk down or to walk up that many. But you know, he, you only can only go so far if you have to work and right and everything as well. So. well. Well, and they would they would literally take packs and carry water and stuff like that when they had have, to make mat. You know, go large numbers of floors. Yeah, go five ten floors, no big deal. But to go a hundred floors, yeah, you know, they'd go like they're going on a journey. Yeah, and they'd have couriers and they'd have message runners because even radios were were outlawed. So you can eat, or at least the, among Limited. the citizens, I think. Limited, yes. And the, the sheriffs had them. No email. Yeah. We, even though they have computers, no email and no phones. That's the other thing. Like, it's very limited. No cameras. No one even knows what a camera or a video is. Like, mm-hmm. when they when they look at the, 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 vi- the visual live feed from the outside, they don't even know what to call it. They don't, you know, they don't call it, the, they call it a sensor outside. And it's like a, you know, when they end mm-hmm. up discovering the cameras, which we'll talk about, I, I assume, that's a big deal to them. So, so much is unknown, whether purposefully or not purposefully. And that's well, and, and there had been, um, what was it, 70 years after the silo was established, there had been a rebellion. And as part of that rebellion, the yeah. story goes, so much was destroyed. So much of their past was destroyed. They lost everything there. They didn't know what, you know, they lost what had happened in the outside world. As part of the pact, as I understand it, the pact was established after the rebellion. It was kind of like the solution to it. Right. And that's that's why it, it would ban relics from the before times. Right. Yeah. You know, a couple of things, you know, I want to, the bigger things to, to look at and some symbolic things. One of them is this idea of the journeys. Everyone is like all we like, as we mentioned, journeying up and down the silo and moving through the silo is a major journey. Also, you know, why silo? You know, why? Yeah, that's it's an, you know, an interesting question. Why is it called a silo? What is a silo? It's a place to store food. It's a place to put a weapon like a missile mm-hmm. silo. So it's kind of an interesting idea. Like why a silo? Are they being stored for something? The people in there? It's, it just raises some interesting questions. Of course, the big question is, what if everything you knew, everything you've been told by the people you love or respect was, in fact, just one big lie? That's a common trope in a lot of dystopian fiction. And that's kind of what we're we're working at. And I think we come into this with that assumption. And I'm not sure how much that assumption is going to be true. That's going to be an interesting revelation as we go. 
not everything bears out to that they think were lies. They turned out to be true. The big one, especially, yeah. um, which I mean, we could ju- jump to the end. I'm not actually going in order, but at the end, like it, throughout the whole thing, at least for me, I kept saying the view outside is a lie. The world is not desolate. It's it's beautiful. It's a paradise. Although at times it was like, that's almost too good. <laughs> it's almost too perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's there's one scene kind of out the middle where they have to shut down the generator. Yep. Yeah. Because the generator had was damaged. And it kept going out of balance. And uh, Nichols, Juliet Nichols, had to, was the, the maintenance person who had to climb into the generator and keep adjusting it. Well, eventually it got so bad, they actually had to shut down the generator, which shut down right. all but just emergency, emergency power. Like, For the first no time ever, like in hundreds ever. of years. Yeah. Yeah. They were taking it offline so they could, because she knew there was a problem. And she's, the only way to do it was to shut it down. And it had a backup generator that could provide like the emergency power. But. They had to take it offline so that, yeah, shut everything down. Minimum of life support and stuff like that. And so they do it. And as the power is shutting down the display, they show the, dis- the big screen in the, the dining room showing yep. outside. And for one brief second, it flashes from this desolate landscape to this beautiful lush land and then goes out. Yeah. And so, of course, that immediately goes, okay, what they're showing on the screen is a lie. Right. And then it turns out it's not. And in fact, what it flashed for just a second was the lie that you see when you go outside, yep. which is designed, I guess, to get the people who are sent outside to actually go through with the cleaning. Right. Um, yep. Yeah, because they want to show everybody inside that what they're doing is working, that they if they can stay in the silo long enough, the world will be you know, good again mm-hmm. and they can go outside. I think there's also an element of they want to show the people inside that even the people who are sent outside still see themselves like even at the end as just, but at the moment of their death, even see themselves as upholding the silo still, you know, repenting even of whatever they've done to get sent outside because what they're really, the people who are outside are really doing is, Look, you ha- I have to clean this. You have to see this. This is actually nice outside. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they die, possibly because they have they have a bad suit uh, or bad mm-hmm. seals on their suit in the toxic environment. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And that's not a spoiler from in, from the future. Like they, they reveal that in the first book that the reason Juliet survived is because her friends in mechanical built her a good suit rather than mm-hmm. using things that were des- designed to fail and. That's what the whole heat tape thing was, is they were, uh, I forget the lady's name that never left her apartment, but right, there was Walker. something about, she, yeah, yeah, she had good heat tape or she made it or I can't remember exactly, but that they snuck it up to for Juliet's suit so they could have her try to survive as long as possible. Right. Yeah, that, that it was interesting. I thought it was ironic, by the way, that her name is Walker and she can't go anywhere. She's lived her entire life <laughs> yeah. in this one room. She's. She's an agoraphobic among agoraphobics in a sense that everyone who yeah. lives on there is kind of, you know, indoors people. They, they don't even know what stars are. That's among the things they've forgotten. Like mm-hmm. this, that guy that Juliet encounters in the in the dining hall every night, he goes and looks at the lights in the sky and they don't know what they are. And it's it's they don't know what sky is. It's just a, amazing how much they've lost. Yeah, because they, they've been in the silo something like 150 years or something like that. 200 yeah. years. Where it's just they they have no connection to the outside world, you know. Think about that. One hundred two hundred years for us is eighteen twenty three. I mean, that's astonishing. <laughs> to think that <laughs> so much time would have passed. 
One thing I want to mention real quick, you know, talking about the silo itself, you know, they've been in there that long. Well, they're able to do it because there's floors that are agricultural. They have farms, they have ranches, basically. They have, you know, cattle uh, or they have uh, animal areas and stuff like that for their needs. So, I mean, there's actually, you know, they show them in like in a cornfield in the middle of the silo. (laughs) Right, right. One thing that's interesting about the silo, too, is the design of it from the production design. It's decrepit and decaying. You can see like there's always cracks in the concrete and it's it's very brown and gray all the time. You know, all the all the walls and all the stuff. But it's also kind of decaying. It's it's like rebar is showing through in places. Yeah, it's old and it looks old. And again, I think that's symbolic of that. Their society is aging in the it's getting old. It's starting to fray at the edges, which is why the stuff that happens due to Juliet's, you know, uh, activities is happening. There's a kind of civic religion. There's no real religion in this world, uh, but there's a civic religion of the pact is like their Bible and you have to obey it. They have lots of rituals that they offer Mm -hmm. that are sort of bread and circuses for the masses. They have a race. They have uh, Founders Day. They do all kinds of things that that keep people, you know, they have something called the mayor's walk where she walks the full, the, the levels, walks the stairs um, and sees everybody and they see her. The founders are often spoken of like gods in a sense, mm-hmm. at least uh, deified in, in one sense. It's interesting to see that even in the absence of true religion, a substitute or facsimile of religion has been imposed in order to keep the people pacified you know uh marx's old maxim uh religion is the opiate of the masses so they they give they've given people ritual to keep them happy in a sense and give them order so i thought that was interesting of course if you have anything on that it'd be interesting you know of course taking this into what what would be like in the real world Mm -hmm. you know if this happened would it be quite so one religion or you know with things like christianity and judaism and such work its way in right i mean would people remember these faiths would somebody smuggle in a bible I mean, that would have been interesting if the if it wasn't a hard drive but it was like maybe a bible or the guidebook to georgia which i thought was fascinating yeah uh it was like the, this holy relic what if it was a bible what if religion was the thing that people were trying to salvage you know that the faith i think it's interesting at ten thousand is an interesting number because that's the basically the size of the town i live in and mm-hmm. it's like well, we have a catholic church we have an episcopalian a bible baptist church we have a buddhist temple you know we have jehovah's witnesses which would be interesting in a closed environment like that you know (laughs) uh, even for such as in a jewish temple we have a jewish temple um so it's like all those things could exist that could exist in a in a community of ten thousand. It would be interesting to see that portrayed yeah, they had the flame keepers, which actually that was an invention for the show. That was one thing I wanted to point out. That was mm-hmm. kind of a like because Juliet in the book, you don't really get any story about her parents, uh, especially her mom or any of that. That's I think that's all. There might have been references to it that I'm not remembering, but I think it was for the most part you you're introduced to her as just this mechanic in the very lowest levels, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend George was more of a memory in the book at that point rather than someone that she's like flashing back to all the time. Right. But the flame keepers, that was, that was interesting because that was a new part of the book or of the, of the show. So I'm curious to kind of see, are there more flame keepers that we don't know of yet? Or is it kind of like right. a secret? What else? You know, or there are there other flame keepers of different, you know, differing, there could be a different religion or, you know, someone who had a Bible or 
mm-hmm. other other texts that they use to kind of mm-hmm. go against the pact. Yeah, the flame keepers they retain the memory of what they were the rebels and who went mm-hmm. kind of went underground after the rebellion. And they revealed that they put drugs in the water to make people's memories of the before times fade. And so the flame keepers were trying to keep the memories alive, mostly through these relics that get passed down from generation to generation uh, and hidden. It's interesting that the judicial doesn't destroy the relics. They store them. They keep them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the judge has a bunch of relics in her apartment, which yeah. is fascinating. And some relics are allowed, like her, like Juliet's watch, which is interesting. Another big part of this is, you know, in a closed environment like this, you need to control population growth. You can't have it grow out of control. And so it became a part of the story, this idea of birth control, control of families and relationships, like even down to that level, it's manipulated where you can't have a quote unquote, an unauthorized relationship. You can't Mm -hmm. have a baby until you're allowed to. And in fact, it's revealed that even that's being manipulated, even when people are being are given permission Sometimes they're not being allowed to have the baby even then. I thought that was interesting to see in a show like that. Yeah, there was there was definitely a bit of some genetic manipulation and some control of desirable versus undesirable Mm -hmm. behaviors. You know, that if someone was thinking or asking the wrong questions, shall we say, they might not get permission, but they would trick them. You know, like they would say, oh, yes, I've removed your birth control device and not really do it. Right. And there's also a thing about uh, a particular disease of the that causes shaking and nerve pain, I guess it is, or muscle mm-hmm. contraction, which is interesting. Um, they don't relate it to a, a real world disease that I that at least in the show they don't. But it's kind of curious because it's like silo disease or something like that, which is a something that people get in the silo. And I'm curious where they're going with that, if that's going to be if they're going to make that more important or it's just to. But this one character, this deputy who has it and has been hiding it, put him a little bit under the gun, give him a little drama and stress in his life. Curious to see where that goes. Yeah. And the syndrome was actually part of that's new for the show as well. That wasn't in the book. So, mm. uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see if that's something that was actually introduced by the judicial or by IT as a kind of a way to punish or if it's just something from either, you have a 10,000 people contained in your genetic pools shrinking uh, quite a bit or if it's just something from their food or chemicals or kind of seeping into their food or water or or even the air. So, right. One of the themes I think of the show is uh, the idea of dare to question, you know, to uh, even the things that you believe in order to find truth, because an honest system doesn't forbid questions. So that's, that's the truth in the Catholic church, right? Mm -hmm. As a Catholic, we're allowed to ask questions all we want. We can, ask all the questions as long as we're seeking understanding we can ask questions about anything that's the ideal <laughs> just remember nobody expects the spanish inquisition so <laughs> but in the silo asking questions can lead to punishment or you know or other problems and uh, that's the sure sign of a totalitarian system where you aren't free freedom mm-hmm. is the freedom to ask questions to find out to learn to know that's where freedom is. So I find that interesting in this is that Juliet is asking questions and it's not welcome. And I think she got that from what happened to her mom. Cause if, if that hadn't happened, if she had lived a normal, happy life, she mm-hmm. might not have gone on this path. So it's kind of like they, they caused what happened themselves by going after her mom, which led her mom to, to want to go clean. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. 
And like I said, that's new to the new to the show, so I'm curious if we're going to get any more about her mom. I won't spoil anything, but I, there was something with her her device that she made that I think will be interesting to see if anything comes back with that because um, right. it's not only technology but that specific kind of technology that she had. So it was a microscope in the show. I think it was, mm-hmm. and any yeah. magnification technology was also banned, which is interesting. Well, limited, limited. Cause you could have a magnifying glass, but it was just kind of like your basic Walmart special yeah. magnifying glass. You know, it wasn't anything that we could go, you know, maybe more than four times magnification. It's very interesting. Like why? Like there's a lot of whys in, in the, what seemed like arbitrary bands. And I, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to guess, you know why, but uh, for me, like I'm wondering, like, why mm-hmm. ban magnification beyond a certain level? Why ban? Like, I can maybe figure out why ban lifts and elevators and pulleys and because that that controls people's movement. And that's probably something you want to do. Mm-hmm. But some of the bands. I, I, well, and, and yeah, pulleys were allowed for limited use. Like, for example, they were able to use pulleys to get up into the generator, you know, to lift the doors yeah. of the generator off because these are huge, you know, multi-ton doors. Right. They were able to use pulleys to lift those off and then use ropes and pulleys to get up into the generator to do the work they needed to do. So it was limited, but not you go between levels. They could not do pulleys from like the first level down to the 50th, let's say. Yeah, it's a it's a strange, curious. I mean, I guess it's more control of movement, uh, that sort of thing. But the magnification one uh, is the one that really, you know, there were, they had computers and, you know, they did have ways to message. You know, they could do text messaging basically via their computers. I guess so. Although they still had runners running messages too. Yeah. I think only the only certain people or only certain jobs could use the computers right. at all and, and had certain access. So, uh, but it, other people had access to their computers for different purposes. Yep. You know, like when they were given the chance to have children, they had a year to conceive and it would, you know, the computer would count down how long they had things right. like that. No pressure. so one of the common questions that gets asked a lot in the show people ask each other all the time are you happy that seems to be of like the very common question are you happy happiness is elusive in the silo which is understandable in a society where there's constraints and loss lack of freedom and this quest for understanding even am i happy can i be happy it was interesting again that you, you talked about this earlier, but it was it was such an interesting choice by the the producers. Every color was muted. Yeah, every color. Even when they would put up like banners for celebration days, it was muted maroons and blue and dark yellow and not joyful bright colors. You really never saw bright colors, right? Except in things like relics, like the little Pez dispenser had a was a bright yellow and blue Pez dispenser. It was dirty, but it was still the bright color kind of came through and it was almost all the more fake for that. Right. It stands out. The relics stand out when you see them. It reminds me of Schindler's List, which was shot in black mm-hmm. and white, except the one spot of color, the whole movie was when this little girl wearing a red dress during the, the, the emptying of the ghettos in Warsaw, you see her in the crowd and then later on you see it in a pile of dead bodies yep. and it's man that was a huge impact just that little spot of color and i think that's similar ideas the color stands out makes it seem big like when they look at the book and they see the picture of the ocean that's the one yep. that everyone seemed to linger on and i can tell you i mean anyone who's been to the ocean i think we've all seen the ocean being by the ocean is can be even for someone who is near it all the time 
is an astonishing thing. Seeing it when you've never seen it before, I can't imagine. Right. When they would go outside, it was almost oversaturated. The colors, yeah. you know, of the outside. Well, of course, that's what they were seeing. That's that was a, that was a fake fake out. That was a a, right. a hologram fake image. But yeah. it was the first time they'd seen those colors, and it was so vibrant. Right, and it would probably looked almost too vibrant to us, just because these these people had never seen it before. So mm-hmm. they kind of they wouldn't know that they really wouldn't know the difference. So unless you could, kind of know something's wrong, you're gonna be, you're probably gonna believe it. Unless you're you know you're Juliet and you can kind of figure things out. So yeah, right. I know that again, that was probably a choice by the producers to make it look almost fake and overblown. Right, the colors just because to them they would look that way, just like normal colors. You walk out the green, the grass, and so on would look almost, you know, just in, oversaturated. I want to mention the one of the, the holidays, one of the events, the rituals they have is the forgiveness holiday. And I thought that was from a coming from a Judeo-Christian standpoint. It's, it, it sounds familiar. And this is how they described it. In light of recent incidents and in the spirit of goodwill, community and commerce, citizens are encouraged to let go of past grievances, to travel beyond familiar levels, to see old friends, to give gifts, and to spend credits in the marketplace where crafts of all types can be acquired. I'm thinking, this is the Jubilee, the seven-year Jubilee in mm-hmm. the church or, you know, in the Bible or the, in the churches every 25 years where, you know, debts are forgiven and and, and grudges are set aside. And it's ve- I thought it was a very interesting analog to what we know of from a Judeo-Christian's perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, 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 it's there are so many elements that so obviously are internally aping the religious in this. That's mm-hmm. some of the, the, the thing I was saying before. So let's talk about judicial and the judge. Uh, <laughs> for much of the, the show, it seems like this season, it seems like the judge is the ultimate power. She's more powerful than the mayor, more powerful than the sheriff. You know, everyone's sort of afraid of the judge. But at one point we realize she's not really the power. She's, she's mm-hmm. in fact, she's afraid of someone else. And it turns out there's a group of people, I guess they're kind of like the flame keepers. They're hidden among everyone, but they're the, the keepers of, they don't actually have a name, I guess, but oh, I, I didn't write down all the characters' names, but uh, the head of IT who becomes the mayor, yep. Tim Robbins's character, and yep. the Bernard. chief enforcer of the uh, judicial. Yeah, and then Robert Sims. Robert Sims, right, right, Sims. And uh, they are really the power and that, but it also seems like there's someone behind the mayor, Tim Robbins's character. Yeah. So Bernard Holland, the, the Tim Robinson. Holland, right. He's the he's the head of, of the IT, which is a, a power. I mean, the IT is not just like tech support. This is a major force within the silo, because as, as they put it, you know, maintenance keeps the power running, keeps things, you know, keeps things running. But IT controls the servers that make sure that the power goes where it needs to go for life support and all yeah. these other things that the power is needed for, you know, so they, 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 they play a much more important role as we find out than just what we think of it might be keeping the computer networks running and, you know, keeping that kind all of the stuff. IT guys are going, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> H- having been in that role before I was a priest. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was a server administrator. That would be me. <laughs> 
And one thing from the book um, that's not, a, again, not a spoiler for the, the future is in the book, they kind of reveal pretty early that Bernard is is kind of the, the villain of the of the book. Um, and I won't speculate further. I won't say anything further, but he is revealed pretty early versus this. So I thought it was interesting that instead of kind of from the beginning, it, it was kind of interesting to see that they were trying to put it. And I had forgotten some of it just because it had been so long that mm-hmm. Judicial wasn't actually in charge or that that he was because he was playing the nice guy for. Or mm-hmm. seven, six or seven episodes until right. you kind of find out. Oh, he's he's not the nice guy. He's the yeah. he's the big bad of the silo. So and it, it comes off fairly early that that Robert that Sims is is a uh, is an important. You know, he's kind of a big bad guy. We yes. don't know if he is the big bad guy, and he's the one that they, we see the banks of monitors in that room where the guy they're watching every corner, nook and cranny of the of the silo. <laughs> Sims is played by the rapper. His name is Common. He's really good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He plays a, a really good heavy in this. I mean, that's really good. And it's interesting. He talks about how his dad was a janitor. And yet he was passed down the, 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 the mantle, I guess, of being the head of this or one of the leaders of this secret police uh, organization. And they have this, the closet, which has this secret entrance into this room that has cameras everywhere not mm-hmm. although not in every single place which helps Juliet it later on but in so many places where they're they're observing everyone and everything and nobody really knows it nobody knows yep. what a camera is which makes it so much easier for them to surveil a surveillance state where people don't know what surveillance is that's it's wild to think about and they were often hidden in the mirrors so people mm-hmm. um yep, yep. You know, so that's that was because i know in a lot of like literature the mirror is kind of a a gateway to, you know, can be a gateway to magic or a gateway to a different realm. So it was kind of interesting that they, because I don't really remember from the book if that was a thing that they hid cameras in the mirror. Everybody was under surveillance, but it was interesting yeah. that it was the mirrors. <laughs> we just talked about a big fin- Doctor Who big finish story that involved mirrors <laughs> being gateways through time. So <laughs> right, right. Rather, rather fitting. Yeah. But it was interesting, though, again, this going back to that society starting to break down in the silo. Not every place was covered because the mirror, the cameras were breaking. Right. Right. They Either people would discover coverage. them and smash them or just the technology would wear out. Right. And so they had to move cameras. So like the nursery becomes an important place because they didn't have a camera in there because oh, oh, they don't need a camera just sitting watching babies. <laughs> exactly. So this who would go great. in there and, and, you know, conspire against the government? Yep. Let's talk about the uh, the secret place that Juliet and uh, and and her boyfriend um, Wilkins go mm-hmm. that's the it's in, in fact it's it reminds me a little bit of 1984 the book and how there was a place for um you know they had cameras everywhere people would watch by big brother uh but there was a place where the it was like a farm like an old broken down farm where they yeah. were able to hide yeah and it's i mean it, it's really evocative of 1984 and big brother george orwell and so they they have this place and it's really lower than the lowest level it's it's I mean, to get there, you have to you've you've just climbed, you know, 100 levels down and now you have to climb down all these ladders to get down mm-hmm. to this the, where the these gigantic boring machines were. So they basically bored down that when they made the silo, just bored straight down with this giant machine and then just built on top of the machine built up from there, mm-hmm. uh, apparently. And so that's where they are down there. And then there's water below it. It's like a cat in the cavern. And Wilkins says there's a there's a tunnel. He has he's discovered that there's a door to tunnel out of this 
bottom space that he's convinced is a door outside. But given what we find out in the last episode, I'm wondering if that's a tunnel to other silos. Uh, mm -hmm. So that could be an interesting uh, revelation in a future season. Yeah, and they, they don't really they they don't really play it out. He, George says he found the door. He knows yeah. where it is, but he never went through it in the video message. And again, that was the revolutionary thing. This is called a video. <laughs> he, they found an actual like little handy cam, like those little yeah. you know, early 2000 handy cams. But he said that he found the door. He knows where the door is. And assumingly it's accessible. You know, it ha the water hasn't flooded over it. Yep. But it's, you know, but we don't know. We haven't seen it yet and we don't know where it is and we don't know where it leads. And that's the big, that's one of the questions. Um, go? Yeah. Right. Cause it mentioned, mentioned this hard drive, this relic of this hard drive, which has from years and years and years ago. I mean, the, the fact that an old mechanical hard drive still works is that that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it looks like just they bought like an off the shelf SATA hard drive and plug it in. It's a spinny. It's not an SSD. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's, but it, there's, there's, a lot of data on there, including the complete blueprints of the silo. Right. Right. Which probably reveals a lot more information uh, as well. And all these files, including uh, the, the, the video file of this one woman going out and seeing the hologram. Did Juliet, do you think Juliet knew it was a hologram before she went out? I don't, I don't think she did. Cause if you watch when she goes out, of course, this is one of the last scenes of, of the, the series. She's looking around and, of course, she sees the beautiful tree and the grass and everything. And then she notices the same exact block of birds. Right. Because it shows the birds and then it shows the video on the screen showing the same exact birds. And at that moment, she realizes this is fake. Okay. okay. This, is, this is not real. I was say I didn't know if it was that or if she was looking for Holston's body and didn't find it, and she kind of knew from from the camera where it was, and so that mm -hmm. kind of made her realize that it that's that it wasn't what she was seeing wasn't real. When so she found I, the body. I, yeah, I didn't notice the birds. I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, because it, it you see the birds fly by, and then she you, she kind of looks. You know, like, I think if I remember right, they show it like show her face where she's looking. You can see that she's something's coming to her. And then they see the monitor with the video on it. Right. With the same exact, I mean, it's the same exact picture. Right. And that's why then she then goes up to the camera, holds up the cloth and drops it. <laughs> oh man. That is the ultimate power. And power then walks over. <laughs> and of course she, she falls cause she trips on a rock. Yeah. And then she realizes that it's all hologram at that point. And that actually, I think she trips on, on the body, Holst body. Uh, yeah. on the body, Holston's body. And then puts the, the star down on his body because she knows where his body is now. Right. It's, it's a kind of a lip, a creator, creator lip that she climbs up, climbs up out of. And when she comes out of it, that's when the hologram goes away. He is no longer seeing the hologram. It gets turned off by, by uh, Holland, by Bernard. Right, right. And because at that point, there's no point to have it on. And she's looking out over a desolate landscape and you're seeing many many other identical silos yep. that are uh, that are out there as well and so bernard had this key fob that lit up would lit up, light up red that he was very nervous about that was lit up mm -hmm. uh, that had the number 18 on it and i think at one point juliet figures out that the silo is numbered 18 so there are at least 18 silos out there so you've got 
So somebody is controlling at least 18 silos, 180,000 people or so in this area of this desolated, desolate area. And who knows if the entire planet is the same way. It's kind of interesting because the story, I feel like the story is about to get a lot bigger from oh, here yeah. with, with this. I mean, it would have to. I mean, it would, you, you can't go back. <laughs> mm. So. And I wonder if we're going to find, I, I mean, first of all, I wonder if there is going to be control between the silos. Obviously, Jeff would, would know for sure or not, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but whether or not there's control between the silos. But I also wonder if the silos will be different oh. insofar as like the rules that they follow, the tech, you know, things like that. Mm, different cultures. They're not going to all be yeah. you know, different cultures and stuff have developed over time. That's an interesting question. Like how, how will the silos be different from one another or will they be all exactly the same and there'll be analogs. There'll be the judge mm-hmm. and sheriff and mayor and all that sort of stuff will still be the same. That'll be a curious, I'm curious to, to see how that, how that goes. Kind of the other question, of course, is what are, what are the other silos going to do when suddenly this person shows up on their screens? <laughs> yes, that should be interesting. <laughs> uh, will and will the powers that be presumably, you know, send people out to capture her and take her away? You know, that would so she doesn't. That'll be interesting. I always thought we were going to see Holston again. That was uh, that was a bit of a surprise. I thought mm-hmm. uh, that he like he and his uh, wife Allison Becker would have uh, so Hol- Holston Becker Allison Becker I kind of thought we'd see them again so it was this series yep. has no problem killing off characters put it that way no <laughs> <laughs> in fact let's talk about some of the the characters I, I really enjoyed uh Juliet played by Rebecca Ferguson who mm-hmm. is apparently in a bunch of stuff uh coming up uh, Mission Impossible movies Impossible and Dune yep. and do yeah she's gonna be in the Dune movie too I think she's been great in this I thought she's very oh, interesting yeah, she was great Tim Robbins, of course, always a great actor. Always. Yeah, yeah Tim Robbins is always, yeah, is always great. I was just looking, um, Rebecca Ferguson is Swedish. She does a good job with the mm-hmm. accent. That's, uh, yeah. She, yeah, but there's a, there's a slight little, like you can kind of tell it sounds like slightly off from a, from just a flat yeah. in the, you know, American English accent. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's actually interesting to looking at the different actors who are in this because there's actually some pretty good big name actors, at least in stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a number of them that have gotten the, the order of the British empire for their work on stage. Wow. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they got the, so, so like Rashida Jones uh, was Alison Becker, David Oyelowo. I'm sorry. <laughs> they had Will Patton, who's been in a bunch oh, of yeah. stuff. Will, I always like Will Patton. He's always good. Ian Glenn, uh, who plays Juliet's dad, who I knew first from Game of Thrones. He was um, mm. Sojora. Uh, and, it, it, or Duran, I forget what it is. Sure, yeah, yeah, and uh, he's, he's also Bruce Wayne in the in the Titans, uh, DC mm. Max series. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool, yeah, and he's I saw him in something else recently too, and uh, with a with another American accent. So uh, <laughs> all of these like foreign foreigners who do really good American accents, and then usually the Americans yeah. trying to do foreign <laughs> accents. Oh, we we are really bad, uh, but uh, so yeah, it was it, it was a a good cast, a big cast, but really liked it. Interesting characters. I really liked Harriet Walter as Walker, uh, Martha mm-hmm. Walker, who, add, I mean, every character added a little bit of uh, something to the, to the whole, whole thing. And it was really, I think it was, I was going to say deep, deeply done. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mean that. Oh, 
but it was like so well like well formed they just they all the details that they added to this mm-hmm. it's just it's an interesting world building that they've done in this and i'm fascinated by the world i love a good story that has a really good like a lot of time spent in the world building a really well formed world and this feels like it it feels like it's it, a lot of details have been thought through i really like it now the only problem is they stop right when the world building gets really good. <laughs> yeah. We have to wait another year or two till the next series comes out. I know that's my. This is the thing I hate about the modern streaming, you know, uh, entertainment we've got now is it takes so long. Like when I was a kid, twenty three episodes, take the summer off, then take twenty three, yeah. another twenty three. <laughs> like now you get a oh here's five episodes, and you you know you when you retire you'll get to watch the next five. You know it's like no, I want more of the story. I'll forget <laughs> yeah. by then. I wanted to call out. So David, um, David O. I won't try to pronounce his name. Like Holston, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. people might know him as the voice of Agent Callus from Star Wars Rebels, the animated. Uh, oh yeah, really? Oh, mm-hmm. that's I didn't I didn't realize it until later, and I was, and until I kind of was reading about the show. So, and the other one that we hadn't mentioned was Avi Nash played. I think Avi Nash is his name. Yep. He plays Lucas, the yep. the guy that Bernard sentences to the mines. He was I know him from The Walking Dead, but Mm. Um, I did want to bring up in the in the book, Lucas is actually like Bernard's shadow from kind of the beginning, mm. but kind of also isn't as evil as Bernard. So Lucas might become a character we see more of, I'll just say. So <laughs> good, good. <laughs> he doesn't go away. You know, um, that's another aspect we didn't talk about was this whole the, the shadow thing. And, you know, in a very small system where you have lots of very important jobs that must be continued from generation to generation. You don't have just a regular schooling thing. You have basically an apprentice, master, master mm-hmm. apprentice, journeyman system. And, you know, you have people who are shadows for the person who holds the job. So Bernard has is as the head of this secret evil cop, you know, secret police thing. He has Sims as his shadow for that. Although, you know, he probably has a shadow also for IT. So it's it's interesting to, to, to see that development as well. That part of the story where you have the shadow people like Juliet had a shadow when she was mm-hmm. running down in maintenance, running the generator. Yeah, they kind of hinted that she might have been she probably would have been a doctor if she had stayed with her dad. Like she probably would have been her right. dad's shadow. Mm-hmm. Or or even her mom. I, I forget if her mom had a specific job or if she was just kind of mechanically inclined in the but she might have been a shadow, but that yeah. set her off on like I'm going to get as far away from my dad as possible. Right. She was fascinated by how things work, which could it can work for a doctor, or it can work for you know for mechanical, or if could it work for IT or anything any of those. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing they kind of kind of talked about where people really didn't move up or down the silo very much. Right. You kind of stayed at your level. You you like you said you know they did kind of you know, family apprenticeship type setup and things like that. And you kind of stayed in the same jobs your, your, your parents did. Right. It's a very classified caste system sort of thing where you just, which is one of the reasons why Juliet being moved up to sheriff was such a mm-hmm. big deal and why her going down to maintenance from the mids where her dad was the surgeon and her mom, I looked it up. Her mom was also a surgeon. So, oh, okay. you know, so being going down voluntarily to, to maintenance and then coming up to become uh, sheriff that was a kind of a big deal and upset things who was it that originally pointed her as sheriff was it holston's idea right before he went out he left a note saying that she should be the one and the first mayor agreed to it right and uh 
and but judicial had wanted Billings, who was not a bad guy. He was just no. easily controlled because he was a true believer in the pact. You know, it, so and that, he was he was basically like a paper pusher in he was an administration for judicial right. originally. And was he a shadow for Sims? There was a possibility of that. I think it's interesting. They had this parallel police force, essentially in judicial. They had you know the sheriffs who maintain order, but then you had the judicials and their raiders who were basically their mm-hmm. enforcers. And it's kind of an interesting idea that you would have this, a nice face of the police, which is the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And then you have the scary police, the enforcers. They're kind of like SWAT team. Yeah. Yeah. SWAT team or that kind of deal. Should definitely tell you that something's wrong. In this, I yeah. know, in this society for, for a community that small to have such a thing. So uh, interesting. So did I miss anything? This, there were some interesting lines that came up. There was a line that Juliet says about the relics. I thought was interesting. Uh, if they're not worth risking our lives for, then why does it risk our lives to have them? Like they were told, well, relics aren't important. So and she's like, well, if they're not important, then why is it so bad to have them? Which is a good question. And uh, Holland, as he gets revealed as the big bad guy, uh, he does. Uh, he gives a line that any Trekkie will recognize. The needs of the many requires the sacrifices of the few. Uh, mm. That is an ominous line. Uh, it's a twisting of it. So uh, th- those were a couple of lines that stood out to me. Anything else you guys wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up? No, I can't. I'm looking forward to the next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the only other notes I had was I, I did. I, I, this won't spoil anything, but wool does have a meaning. So that's all I'll say. So okay, um, it does. It does have a third meaning that I'd forgotten about. And the only other note I had is uh, I noticed in one of the scenes when. It might have been when Juliet was a kid or when she was in her dad's back at her dad's house. There's a sign on the door that says, like, turn the switch off when you leave the room. And as a dad, I'm like, I'm I'm constantly telling my kids chasing after them to turn light switches off or turn, you know, the faucet all the way off. I'm like, I really identified with that (laughs) because I feel like I'm chasing all. And especially right now in the summer, it's like lights. They'll go in one room to leave the lights on and I won't notice for 30 minutes. And it's like all that power. We're wasting electricity. And in a a silo like that, you can imagine. Yeah. Like all, all resources would be, uh, that's one thing I kept thinking about was like, they make a big deal about recycling and reusing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like thinking, how do you like the electronics? Like how would you make new electronic stuff? And you know, the fine things they must, they must have manufacturing of fine goods, like electronic, bits and pieces yeah um yeah they, they do mention that there's some of that stuff that they do that they're able to produce yeah and some of it yeah. is recycling from old so like let's say a computer dies they can pull the parts off that are still good and use it to repair other computers but of course over, over a course of you know 150 200 years you're going to run out of computers yeah they are mining that was one thing that comes up they are mining for mm-hmm. more resources so that that happens which if you're next to a bunch of silos, you can, I guess you're going to have to be really careful what direction you let people mine in because <laughs> you might end up in someone's. Unless the people in the mines what? find out that there are other silos connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you might end up in someone's living room <laughs> mine in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. And I did. I, one of the other thing I thought of was uh, it was interesting with the funerals. Uh, and I don't know if it's the funerals for everybody that yeah. you, you take a bite of an apple and you drop it in, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. has to do with your, you know, giving to decomposing and whatnot. Cause I think in the yeah. books, the decomposing bodies are used as for as fertilizer, but it was yeah. interesting that you're like an apple, which is probably a, a pretty scarce, you know, commodity is used and just is kind of used flippantly and you take the bite and you, you throw it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
as so a that sacrifice. Was yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's like as a as kind of an honoring the honoring the dead. Well, and it was a, and it was an or- it was in the orchard is where they at least where they showed the burial. I, yeah, I think they they bury people in the either in an orchard or in crop yard or you know wherever crops yeah. are in the in the books. And then and then they're fertilizer basically. Yeah, yeah, symbolically the idea of you know uh we are all part of the silo, you know, in, even mm-hmm. into death we are part of the silo and we are part of this circle of life and the the, the phases of of existence. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, apples have a significance in our culture through the Christian imagery, the Judeo-Christian imagery of the uh, Adam and Eve. And so the idea of them biting the apple, saying a prayer to the founders, then biting an apple and throwing it in. I am going to go a little bit more meta <laughs> because this was done by true. Apple, apple TV. <laughs> That's true. And of course, the symbol of apple is an apple with a bite taken out of it. it you know, I wouldn't put it past them even the producers to, to to have decided that the fruit should be an apple with a bite taken out. That's entirely and possible. I, I mean, I, I, I could see because Apple of course wants to make sure they get their logo somewhere and what better way than seeing people take a bite out of an apple and throw it in the grave. Right. <laughs> I, I note that the computers in the uh, dystopian uh, futuristic society are not Apple computers without graphical interfaces. Uh, that so, they, yeah, they actually looked more like old uh, late eighties, early nineties, IBM. Yeah. Terminals. Or like, um, yeah, like they were like VTT terminals. I don't know if that goes way back, yeah. but uh, yeah, they, they, they that had the look to it. The monitors looked like the old old IBM monitors from like the the uh, PS2 era. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that between this and Severance, you know, the which is another dystopian sci-fi series on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. also has these really weird computers that aren't Apple, you know, Max Max. Uh, computers so i don't know maybe th- maybe they've got an agenda going on in their uh, series we'll see. that's kind of funny we'll see if it, if it happens again you definitely in another series you'll definitely know it's it's uh it's an agenda oh all right so um i think that about does it then final thoughts uh looking forward to next season i know you you said you, you you're looking forward yep. to it, father cory me too i i really really enjoyed this more as time went on I, I think you I don't I figured if you mentioned it during the recording or before we started, Father Corey, that you were a little dubious at the beginning of this. I was, you know, it was you know, just it just dubious of, OK, what is this? You know, hadn't heard of it and it yeah. just kind of shows up. But it was it was great. Yeah, it took me a little bit to to get hooked. And then when they had the big switch of Becker going out, you know, Holson Becker going outside and then bringing Juliet in, I'm like, whoa, what is what is this series mm-hmm. doing? And that really, really drew me in. And uh, I'm a sucker for the mystery box. And that's what we got is it's the mystery box. How about you, Jeff, uh, from your perspective, having read the books? Yeah, I really I enjoyed the series a lot. And I I'd planned on watching it. But then when we decided to do the podcast, I said, uh, I need to I better start watching it because I was I, so I sometimes will wait a little while to the because I'm I'm one of those weird people who I don't if it's a show with limited episodes, I won't binge it. I'll watch it one episode a week and then listen to a podcast or two and then watch the next, but, um, I didn't listen to any, you know, leading up to this, but I, so I had to jump into it. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I did read that they, I think they did start filming either back in April or, or just recently they started filming. So, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get something within the next, uh, within the next year, or at least by the end of next year, we'll get season two. So, yeah. And I will say if you, they're, the book will probably, it seems like they're following the book. So if you want to know more, check out the books. And if you don't want to know more, don't check out the books because <laughs> they'll probably spoil things. One thing I heard was the first book 
contains information that didn't happen in season one. So if you read the first book, you might get information, a little bit of spoiler for future stuff. That's so I, I heard that. I don't know how true that is. I don't really remember. Like I said, it's been years and I've yeah. had to like read, read some summaries before this. So I, I'm not completely sure what that would refer to, but yeah, there, yeah. there definitely will be, um, if you read ahead there, there will be spoilers. Definitely. So I might try to read it, find the books and read them again. Cause I think when I read them, they were fairly unknown and I read them like on Amazon, Kindle unlimited or something. And now they're like with the show. Now they're probably, <laughs> yeah. or they're, yeah. they're, you know, and they got Rebecca Ferguson's face on the, on the cover. And yeah, right. I've seen it. On oh, Amazon. Yes. Yeah, you can get them all. And they actually are called Silo instead of Wool now, too, and that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, I think the book series, I think the first one was Wool, and then I think one of them was called Dust, and there might have been a different another one that's for the whole series. But you can look it up on you know, Wikipedia or whatever to figure okay. out the names. So my guess is we'll see uh, on Apple TV Plus before we see season two, uh, we'll probably see the next season of For All Mankind. Mm-hmm. We'll see the next season of Severance. And then we'll see the next season of Silo. That's that's probably the sequence uh, that uh, will come about. The, all because those other two have been out beforehand. And I got to say, Apple TV Plus, they've come a long way since uh, Planet of the Apps that they did, which was their very first thing, which was a reality show about programmers. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> man! Apple TV <laughs> Plus is a is is I think if I didn't already subscribe to the Apple One, you know, thing where I get all the Apple stuff. It'd be it might be a must subscribe for me to to, to get some of these series because they've been all so good. All right. So let's wrap it up there. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Guy N, Paul K, Claire P, Andrew V and Mario L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows that StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of the silos first season? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets, the StarQuest Facebook page at starquestfacebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com, or join us on the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you may inspire the next episode of secrets of movies and tv shows who knows until next time father Corey stika thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of the silo thank you dom jeff hacker thank you as well thanks dom. and once again i'm dom bentonelli thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and tv shows on starquest Another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.